the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the greatest parables in all of Scripture. It's found here in the book of Luke, chapter 8. We'll take a look at it over the next few broadcasts here together on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Join us. called the parable of the sower and the soils. It's found in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. We would invite you to join us as we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, here today on Abounding Grace, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, the parable of the sower and the soils. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's program. We come today to one of the most important of Jesus' parables. Whereas each of the Gospels have parables that are not included in the other Gospels, this parable of the sower and the soils is found in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in each book, it's found in a very strategic place. Most of what is said in the separate Gospels about this parable is the same. But each has details that are not mentioned in the others. So it's only as we look at all three of these synoptic records themselves that we understand exactly what Jesus is saying in this parable. Jesus always taught in parables. So it is important for us to understand how to interpret those parables. You can do it yourself. In fact, let me give you four principles to help you know how to interpret the parables of Jesus. And then we'll put those principles of interpretation to work and we, so that we can understand what this parable we're reading today actually means. First of all, understand the picture that's being drawn. In all of the parables, Jesus tells a little story that's common to all of his hearers there in the first century. So if you're going to understand... The point of the parable, you must first of all use your imagination and understand the picture that Jesus is drawing in his parable for his audience. Secondly, you must grasp the context of the story. Why did Jesus tell the story? Look at the verses that precede it and the verses that follow it, and then you must ask yourself, why did Jesus tell this particular story. Then thirdly, look for one main point. Each of Jesus' parables has one main point. Always try to find that point. And then, of course, fourthly, relate that point then to Jesus Christ and His kingdom. Because all of Jesus' parables, in some way or another, explain something about Jesus Christ and His kingdom that we need to hear. 
Now let's put these principles to work. First, what is the picture being drawn in our parable? It is of a first century farmer that is out sowing seed, possibly wheat or corn or maybe even barley. He spent the previous day plowing up the field, getting it ready for this planting, and now today he's ready to plant. He's flung over his neck and shoulder and has placed in front of him a a big bag of seeds. And out of that bag, he, he takes a handful. And in an expert manner, he casts the seeds all over the soil that he has plowed. And of course, as you would expect from a professional farmer, most of the seed landed on the good soil. But there was some of the seed that fell on other parts of the garden. Some of the seed fell on the roadway, hard and baked clay. It couldn't take root, so the birds came and they ate up the seed. And some of the seed fell on a part of the garden that had been plowed, but the soil was very shallow with a substrata of rock. These seeds took root quickly. But the sun scorched them, and they dried up. Then some of the seed fell on the edges of the garden where the plow didn't get to. So when the seed started to grow, the weeds choked the life out of those little plants. But the bulk of the seed fell on that prepared soil. It was plowed just right. It was the heart of the field, and the sun and the rain came, allowing those seeds to become fine, mature plants. And some of them yielded 30-fold, some 60, while others yielded as much as 100-fold, allowing this farmer to reap a great harvest. That's our picture here. Now, keep that in mind. Now, what is the context of this parable? In other words, why did Jesus even tell the story? In Luke 8, 4, he tells us that when a great multitude was coming together, journeying from many cities, Jesus decided to tell this particular parable. We learn from the Gospels that the multitude loved Jesus' preaching. Everywhere he went, the people crowded around him. Sometimes he had to take a boat just offshore as he did in this situation, because of these multitude of peoples. He couldn't escape. He tried to get off on his own from time to time, but the multitudes followed him everywhere he went, vast multitudes of people. Now, why did they yearn to hear Jesus? Why would these people travel great distances and large numbers to hear Jesus preach? Well, I believe for a number of reasons. Number one, he was entertaining. And I don't mean in the Hollywood sense of the word, but he was fascinating. He was interesting. And, of course, he told stories. And people like to hear stories told to them. He was also mysterious. These stories seemed so simple. But there was something there that much of the crowd just missed. And he spoke with authority, not as the scribes. You felt like this man was not simply telling you his personal opinion. You recognized his divine authority. 
He wasn't like the scribes and the Pharisees who waffled in on various things they taught and who were always quoting this rabbi and that rabbi over against another rabbi. Jesus spoke with absolute authority, and people like to hear preachers speak with authority as men who are certain of what they're talking about. I like the story about the Scottish atheist philosopher David Hume. He would walk a mile or two actually to hear the preacher George Whitfield. Now, George Whitfield was one of the greatest evangelists in all of human history. David Hume was an atheist, but he would travel great distances to hear George Whitfield preach. So another atheist one time asked Pastor Whitfield with a great deal of sarcasm in his voice, David, you believe what Whitfield believes? Hume said, no. But Whitfield certainly believes it, and he says it with power and authority, and I love to hear it. People love to hear preachers preach with authority, and no one, no one has ever had or ever will have the authority of Christ. And that is why the multitudes thronged to hear him. And although they were eager to hear him, not everyone in the crowd was equally desirous to hear the message he preached. And although they loved his preaching, not everyone in the crowd was willing to do what he said they should do. And that is to repent of their sins, believe in him as their Lord and Savior, and begin a life of obedience to him. Most of the people who loved to hear him preach did not receive his message positively. Now, it's in that context that Jesus says, okay, I've got a parable for the vast multitude of people. I know how some of you are going to respond to my preaching today, and I'm going to explain to you how, with this parable about the sower and the soils, why in this vast crowd of people, some are going to respond in certain ways. And he says, basically, there's one distinction in this crowd that determines how you are going to hear me. And he says in Matthew 13, 4, and in Luke 8, 8, as he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Throughout his sermon, he would intersperse this request. The basic distinction, he says, is in my, in my hearers is that some of you have ears to hear and some of you are as deaf as posts. Some of you have ears to hear and receive positively my message and you recognize and appreciate its divine value. Others of you will not get past the entertaining story because some have ears and some don't. Look now at the 13th chapter of Matthew, verse 2. It says, And great multitudes gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole multitude was standing on the beach. Now notice that there's a contrast of physical posture. Jesus was sitting down in the boat, 
while the crowd was standing, which is, of course, the exact opposite of what we're doing here today. The crowd was so big that they forced Jesus into a boat so that he could address all of them. And when he got into the boat, rather than standing up the way preachers do today, he sat down. And the crowd, instead of sitting down, remained standing. Now, Matthew didn't tell us that just because he didn't have anything else to write. He knew that his hearers would understand this situation. That's the way the rabbis taught. And this is the posture of authority and of rule. So here is Jesus, the seated teacher, teaching with authority. Here is a king seated, instructing and commanding his subjects. You see why the context of the story is so important? Now, what are the basic elements of this parable? There are three. You have the sower, you have the seed, and you have four kinds of soil. In Luke 8, 11, it says, the seed is the word of God. In Matthew 13, 14, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, which is the preached word, and does not understand it, etc., etc. So the sower is the preacher of the kingdom of God, whether it's, of Christ, whether it's Christ or those who actually stand in a pulpit and preach. The seed is the word of God. It is the preached word which is cast into the heart of the hearers. The soils are the various kinds of people that hear the preaching of the word of God. So the sower is the preacher. The seed is the preached word. And the soils are the various types of people like we have here today who hear the word of God. The parable is deceptively simple. And it is quite profound. Do you realize that every one of us here is represented in this parable? So, beloved, as you listen to this parable, remember where you are. By God's grace, you are listening to the Word of God preached. How will it affect you? What kind of condition is the soil of your heart in what is this parable what is it in this parable that represents you 2000 years after it was told now what is the point of this parable the point is listen carefully the growth of the seed depends on the condition of the soil what happens to the seed whether it grows or shrivels depends on how well the soil has been plowed and how prepared the soil is to receive the seed. Why didn't the seed grow along the roadside? Because the soil wasn't plowed at all. Why did the seed get scorched in the rocky soil? Because there was only a little bit of soil on top of a substrata of rock. Why didn't the seed grow on the thorny ground? Because it was choked out by the weeds. Here you have a picture of the condition of this farmer's soil. None of the areas where the seed failed to grow were ready to receive the word. They were not adequately prepared to receive the seed, so nothing happened. 
It was only the good soil that was well plowed and was prepared to receive the seed that experienced the life and the growth of the seed. Now bear in mind that all of this is, of course, in context to God's sovereignty. God chooses where each seed grows, where it falls. God determines the condition of the soil. But the point of this parable is not to teach us something about the sovereignty of God. The point of this parable is to teach us something about the responsibility and accountability of everyone, everyone who hears the preaching of the Word of God, and especially those who hear Jesus' parables. And keep in mind, Each of us is represented in one of these soils. Listen and see if you can find yourself as we go through the rest of this sermon. Now, there are four kinds of soil, or we might say four kinds of hearts. Let's look at each one of them. First of all, there's the wayside here, or the unresponsive heart. Look at Matthew 13, 4 and then 14. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and devoured them. Verse 14. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one whom the seed was sown beside the road. Now look at Mark 4, verses 3 and 4, and then verses 14 and 15. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, And it came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Verse 14. The sower sows the word, and these were the ones that were beside the road, where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which which has been sown in them. Then Luke 8, 5, and verses 11 and 12. The sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God, and those beside the road are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Here is the wayside here, who is the person whose heart is unplowed, it is hard, it's not softened by conviction of sin and a need for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is totally unprepared to receive the Word of God like the wayside, the path that is beaten down by scores of people walking on it day in and day out. It's it's baked in the sun, it's hard as a rock. The Bible says that some of those who heard the Word of God They have hearts that are just like that wayside. They are resistant. They are proud. They are hard so that when the Word of God is preached to them, even if it's preached powerfully, it makes no impact whatsoever on them. They sit there bored stiff, pathetic, having no interest in what is being said at all. They'd rather, of course, be home watching a football game. And they're upset that they decided to waste their time. That's the wayside here. And what happens when the Word of God is preached to that person and it makes no impact because he's as hard as a rock? Satan then comes into his life with even greater strength. 
And just like the birds pluck up the seeds on the road, so Satan comes in and takes out that preached word, making it impossible for that person to believe and be saved. You see, that's the goal of Satan in every person's life. It is to keep that person from ever believing in the Word of God. So when a person comes to church and he's bored stiff and as hard as a rock, and the Word of God is faithfully preached, and he's not interested in it. Satan is going to come and take the one and only thing that can save him out of his heart, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a very practical application here. One thing that we know for sure is where Satan and his demons are every single Sunday. Beloved, they're not at the strip joints or the bars, they've got all those people, at least for now. They're also not at the liberal churches. They are in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches every Sunday, trying to get people not to hear and believe the preaching of the Word of God. If there is any time that Satan and his demons are in this room, it is right now. Right now, hoping your heart will be so hard so that he can pluck out the one and only thing that can save you so that you can never believe and be saved. Satan gives you every excuse not to believe. Well, I'm not a Presbyterian. I don't like the way that pastor preaches. He hollers too much. His pews are uncomfortable. The people at this church are not really all that friendly, or they're too friendly. Satan will give you every excuse you could need under the sun. But it is Satan giving you the excuse, and it is Satan doing all he can to keep you from believing the one thing that can save you. That's why, beloved, you must never allow your mind to wander or to try and put it in neutral during the preaching of the Word of God. If you come to church broken, you will be blessed by God's Word. But if you come with high self-esteem and self-love and self-confidence and self-righteousness, then Satan will come right into your mind and take out of you the one and only thing that can do you any good. In Luke 8, 18, Jesus said, Take care how you listen. Whoever does, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. So if you have come to the preaching of the Word with a hard heart, as a wayside here, Satan is not only going to pluck whatever is preached that day out of your heart, but he's going to pull up with its roots other things that you think you know or think you have already learned. I had a friend in a church that I was a member of who was one of the elders. He had an above-average understanding of Christianity and the Reformed faith. He also had a loving wife and six children. And he was the best friend of the pastor. The church hit a bit of a rough spot shortly after I left to help form Reformed Heritage Church. And, of course, that had nothing to do with it. And this man took the trial so hard 
that he walked away from the church and his family. It was as if he had never heard a single word of the Bible. He stopped attending church, and his heart grew hard, and Satan removed everything he ever thought he knew. This man, I, and the pastor talked hours about the church and our faith. But the last I actually heard, he was crowsing around in San Francisco somewhere while his ex-wife and children struggled to survive by the grace of God. He has forgotten everything. And no, that's not a misstatement. Satan has pulled everything out of this man's mind. And he can do it to every one of you. If you came here today hard and you leave hard today, then Satan will pull up from the roots the only thing in your life that can save you. Why was there no fruit in this wayside here? Because there was no brokenness of heart. There was no plowed up ground. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace.